get ready for your daily dose of Tuttle. The all-time greatest uh, intern slash producer we've ever had, of course, Tuttle. Tuttle in Florida. It's Tuttle's Daily Podcast. Nice cock! Nice cock! Welcome to the Tuttle Daily Podcast. Uh, I've been doing a lot of interviews since I've started this show. Uh, and, and I'm not at the level where I'm going to get a lot of famous people. So one of my mantras was to find interesting people online. Because I, I feel like there's so many people that have interesting stories. And and I think that's what's missing. Because we, we only want to talk to the famous people. And I think there's so many people out there that have so many interesting stories. And this next guy that I'm going to talk to, I found him on Twitter. His name is Adam. You can find him on Twitter at Fiscal Stoner. And I'm going to bring him on now. Adam, how are you, man? I'm doing really, really well. I can't tell you what an honor this is. I, I, I've done a little bit of research, and I'm, I'm big into uh, the podcasting kind of world myself just because uh, I like to take a lot of road trips, man. So I like yeah. that. I was listening Dude, to that last it, night. It, it's amazing how media has become now because everybody has a voice. You know, it used to be you had to go to school. You had to get a – a degree in, in broadcasting or journalism to be able to get your voice heard. But now with the technology we have, you can get your voice out. You can get what you're interested in. And, and I found your cause very, very interesting. Now, the reason, and, and we'll get into that, but I want to set up why, why I found it interesting. I, I grew up in the state of Florida, and we have one of the biggest opioid problems in the whole United States of America. And it's just weird how the medical, the pharmaceutical companies are just over-prescribing too much because it's not become a, about helping people. It's about making money now. And tell me a little bit about what you're doing because you actually take it to a different angle because, and, and I know I'm ranting, but John Morgan, have you ever heard of John Morgan before? Yes, yes sir. All right, now John Morgan here in the state of Florida, one of the biggest attorneys in the state of Florida, his brother was paralyzed in an accident trying to save somebody. Uh, he dove into the water and there was some concrete pylons, you know, so he was trying to save somebody and he ended up becoming paralyzed. And John saw the opiates, how it was making his brother feel and stuff. And, and he wanted to get, he wanted to push for medical marijuana and he spent almost $4 million of his own money. And a lot of people were thinking, oh, well, he has an angle. But it was personal to him because he saw what the opiates were doing to people here. He wanted kind and caring relief for his brother and other people going through what he did. Now, you're a little bit different, and, and this is why I wanted to talk to you. Um, you are a, a military vet, correct? Yes, sir. Yep. Now, talk a little bit about that. I mean, um, I, I grew up, and, and I'm very self-conscious because my dad's best friend, he's a Vietnam vet. You don't, you don't, my dad always taught me, you don't, you don't go into detail. It's not cool to ask combat no. vets. 
totally veteran specific. You know, and I, I have a philosophy on that that goes all the way back, but we don't have to get into that. But I, I'm totally okay with it. I spent 42 months total deployed during wartime. I enlisted um, five months. It was five months after 9-11. And that was the only reason I enlisted. It was, I was, was it because of 9-11? What's that? Was it because of 9-11? Yep. That, yep. Now, and now you, you talk about PTSD, okay? Now, I think everybody deals with PTSD a little bit through their lives. It's more apparent with, with soldiers. But I always had this philosophy that 9-11 was the first thing that the American civilians, people that are in combat, got to I, – I felt like that was PTSD for a lot of people because it was shocking. It still absolutely is, and I mean that's and that's kind of how the veterans cannabis program kind of came to be. So when all that when all that popped off, and then I mean not all that popped off, but when that happened, and then I enlisted, I, I went full infantry. I wanted to go overseas, and then I, I I didn't think I knew what I was getting into, and a lot of stuff happened over there. So then when you come back and like what you were saying with the opioids, but the, veteran, the veterans cannabis program is designed, it, it's designed for vets, but really it's designed for PTSD. And we're just using our veteran voice to try to, but eventually, hopefully, we want we want the, to broaden it for cannabis for all PTSD, whether it be any assaults, whether you, you witnessed something that, you know, something happened to you when you were a child. It doesn't have to be a military. It doesn't have to be a first responder. It doesn't have to be anything like that. And we want to segue into that. But the problem is, is that a lot of people that experience those events, nobody listens to them, but people listen to soldiers. If we say that, you know, we feel angry all the time or we feel a certain way, people want to help us. But if just a, a domestic violence victim says, hey, I relive that each and every day and people just pat him on the back and say it'll get better. So I feel like we just have a better voice and we want to eventually segue into that. But for right now, we definitely want to treat with that. And then before, I just want to circle back with the, the opioid crisis. A lot of people think that um, cannabis is, is pushing to replace that. We don't want to replace it. If, you, if you're on a prescription and it works for you, we don't want the doctors to take that away from you. We just want the alternative. We just want you to be able to go and ask for it. Now, we don't want a doctor to prescribe it and say, nope, we're going to take you off of these pills and we're going to give you cannabis now. And you, people are like, no, I want that. No, you can still take whatever you would like. We just want that available for the people that just want access to it. It's not being forced on anyone. It's not an alternative for any medication. It's just for you to seek out and have that alternative. We don't want a doctor to be able to prescribe cannabis without the patient asking for it first so it's it's never going to be an alternative to opiates it's just going to be something that a personal choice for somebody as an alternative but if anybody's prescribed medication we don't want to take away any narcotics we don't want to take any pills off the market we just want people to be able if you go to a doctor's office and you say hey this this benzodiazepam this this opioid makes me feel like i'm a zombie can i try medical marijuana we want them to be able to write then and there write your prescription yes you can get your medical card yes you can go but there's, I don't want a doctor to say, um, we're gonna take you off of this pill because we want you to try cannabis. I don't ever want that to be a, a situation to where people, because then people fear that. If it's if it's a, an alternative to medication, people think that they're gonna get it forced on them. And that's yeah, not. Well, but I mean, I, I see what you're saying. You, you don't, because if you go hardcore where people are like, all right, it's just marijuana and nothing else, but if you look at it though, the side effects, I mean, the only thing from weed you usually get is wanting to eat more or maybe you want to sleep a little bit, but with opiates, I mean, some of the side effects are, are, are really horrible. And I can't think of any detrimental side effects when it comes to cannabis use. 
it's not, I mean, some people get a little sick to some people, but there's, there's so many different things that you can try now with way of edibles, vape pens, concentrates, flour, anything like that. But it, it was the, what originally kind of kicked me off was how, how broadly it was prescribed. I feel like opiates are such a generally prescribed product for an array of things as to where it should be just isolated for pain, just because it's such a heavy, uh, heavy narcotic. But before the great 2016 overhaul of the veteran affairs um they used to i, I i'll tell you I, i'd walk in i tell them my back hurt and they would give me 50 80 milligram oxycontin wait 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 they would fit, wait, wait hold on they would give you how many milligram oxycontin 50, i would get 50 80 milligram oxycontin right there that's like me. the strongest you can get is 80 milligram yep and then they overhauled it in 2016 a bunch of people went to prison and they overhauled it in 2016 and now the vas aren't like that any longer but that was, that's what forced me. I would go in and I would tell them that I was sick and they would give me codeine. And I'm like, I just need some, I just need some cough medicine. I don't eat codeine, like liquid codeine, you know? So then it's, I turned to cannabis. You know, I'm, I'm originally from the Midwest, but I was based at Fort Carson for a long time here in Colorado when I was part of the legalization movement. And as soon as I got out, I stayed here. I, I've never gone home. Now, all right, I'm going to be jumping around all over the place because sure. I want people to understand PTSD. Now, Earlier on, because I'm, I, I'm, I love history, okay, and, and, and I read a lot about wars and stuff, and at what point did the military start taking PTSD as a real problem? Because back in World War I, a lot of people don't know this, shell shock, yep. there were a lot of soldiers that, that were executed because they were considered deserters, because they were suffering through PTSD, and they didn't know what was wrong with these people. Can you, maybe you don't know. That's the track record with the entire United States military. If you look at basically every engagement, we're always about 20 to 25 years behind the ball. Like you're talking World War One with the shell shock, and then you go into World War Two, and I mean, that was nor I mean, if you were on a part of any type of invasion during World War Two, you came away with PTSD because we just we rode boats in, and then as many people died, we just, and people were just getting gunned down as soon as they were getting off the boat. And then you have Vietnam, so then you have people that died from Agent Orange, and the VA didn't even assess that until the nineties. They didn't even honor an Agent Orange claim until my the nineties. Going to be the same my, way. My no, dad's brother, my dad's brother, um, healthiest guy, fought in Vietnam. And he just died of cancer and they couldn't figure out what it was. But my thing from all my reading, I was like, yeah, it's all the chemicals they were spraying to kill all the vegetation. I mean, you can't pinpoint it, but I mean, it's, it's pretty, I don't believe in coincidences. Well, no, not at all. And I, and I, I've kind of resigned myself to that. You know, I'm almost 40 now. I think that the veteran affairs in the military when I'm 60 will start actually supporting PTSD and actually start, because that's how the military is. We're 20 years behind. Nobody got any help for Agent Orange until the 90s. Um, nobody got any help for anything World, World War II at all, really, because Korea kicked off not long after. So they kind of just, the baby boom generation just kind of got left out to drive. But that's, that's our MO. Now, can you, for people, they hear about PTSD. Can, can you explain to them, like, some of the things, you know, like, signs what people with ptsd go through like what did they suffer from for me for me it's it's not it's noises it's any sudden noises and i i've kind of i don't react badly but it it makes my uh my palms sweat um if there's if we have loud neighbors or stuff like i have to live in a single family home i have to live in my own house i can't have loud neighbors next door because it just i i, I can never get comfortable and then um if it's a loud dog and a sharp bark is really hard for me 
Um, and it doesn't like take us back. It doesn't take me back anywhere. You know, it's not like I. I but you're not as severe. You're 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 not as severe. But there are some people that are oh, really severe with it. That's the one thing is that you know there's you have PTSD and then you have um, um, there's another thing, S S U D. Um, there's another one that they're starting to, to kind of go. I'll have to look into that and get back to you on that. But they're starting just recently. I got a memo that they're actually doing a sub sub diagnosis. Uh, for the PTSD thing, but there's such a broad rate because anything can happen and it doesn't matter It's something it's something within you because it could be something that goes against your principles You know if you're if you're super super against anything that happens to animals and you were a young child And you witnessed the dog being you know beaten or something that can stick with you for the rest of your life You know and you you will react to dogs differently and you react to people differently for the rest of your life And it, that one incident has altered your life course and that is, that's PTSD that's post-traumatic stress disorder so that could be for anything. I mean, it's so that's why you can't diagnose it. You can't, you can't, you can diagnose it. You can't prescribe it. I'll say that. You can it affects it. people differently though. It, it, it affects people differently. Not, not everybody's case is the same. Right. You have people, you have people that suffer from PTSD. I mean, you've seen what happened. Uh, it was in Fort Hood, Texas, where the guy, he, the soldier yeah. threw, uh, he killed, you know, it was friendly fire. He just couldn't handle it anymore. And then you have people that, you get the, the war dogs where they walk out of there with smiling and laughing, you know, and it's like, wow, dude, you're a machine, man. What? You're not even a human, dude. How do you not have feelings? And then you have people like me where it's, you know, it sticks with me and I've been out for six years now and it's, it sticks with me and it sticks with me every day, but I still function. I have a great family, you know, and I have a great home and a great life and it doesn't affect me. There's just certain things I stay away from. Parties, bars, I just don't go. Now, before, and you don't have to answer, but like, when do you have uh, any past of any like substance abuse, drinking, or anything like that? I still drink. I do, I don't drink heavily, but I do. I do have drinks, and I, I do drink regularly. But I don't think it's from that. Honestly, my drinking increase, I think, has been from the quarantine and lack of yeah. anything, like lack of. About to go. Well, and, and please don't think I'm judging. I'm not. I I just. Oh no. I, I, I was just curious because, you know, um, in my case, um, I, I attempted suicide back in September of last year. And um, I, in my case, it was the overprescribed or prescription of psychotropic drugs, you know, like, you know, uh, um, Zoloft and Respiridol and all this stuff. And it just seems like they want to throw every pill at the, in the book at you. And it was a bad mixture. And the drugs that were actually supposed to be helping me in the long run ended up making me, you know, do what I did. I'm actually allergic to Zoloft. It inflamed my liver to the point where they thought they were going to have to do a transplant. Yeah. Zoloft. Yeah, they gave me yeah. that. That was a couple years ago that uh, we went through all that, but that's, that is, uh, substance abuse wasn't really substance abuse. It was more like, I, just I was had an alcoholic. Yeah. I just had everything at my disposal. I would just take, if I had a headache, I would take one of the bike and that the, the VAs would give me. If I stubbed my toe and it hurt, I would take a Tylenol three, you know, something, something that stepped up. And that's what I wanted to get away from is because just the cloudy, you know, when I was losing my life, I, I wasn't conversing with my, my wife. I wasn't interacting with my kids and, and something had to change. And I was still, still using cannabis and that's what it was actually my wife that brought it to my attention said you're only in a good mood in the morning and that's I would wake I would get up and I would smoke in the morning and she said you're only in a good mood and then I would take my pills and then my mood would go down 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 and then I would sit at night and I would feel ashamed of myself because I'm like I can't function in the real world there's no place for me here 
there's no place for me here. And then he would eventually, I would go down the, the path and then I would, you know, I would think about taking my life. And then I, I got to think, the only time that I don't ever think about that is in the morning when I'm smoking cannabis. And then mm-hmm. the reason for that is because everything just slows down a little bit for me. It just, because I don't, my problem is, is that I create situations that aren't real inside my head. So if my neighbor's banging for like 15 minutes, I'll think he's doing it on purpose. I'll be like, what he's doing over there is he's banging on the wall and he's trying to get me upset. And so, and then I'll create this whole different delusion of this thing that's not even real. You know, it's not even a logical situation. But when I smoke cannabis, that takes it away. I can hear banging and my heart doesn't jump up anymore. I'm just, uh, that's okay. Well, you know how it has helped me is... You know, I don't want to give that stereotypical stoner answer, but it does help me be creative. But it also gives me perspective on things. You know, when you think things are, you know, shitty at the at the moment, it, it allows you to, you know, just kind of step back a little bit and look at things in a different light instead of that one, oh, the the sky is falling type stuff. Hey. You should never, you should never be like a typical stoner because everybody, everybody's like, we need to get rid of the stigma of these, these adolescent stoners. But you know, it's there though. It's there. We want them though, but we want that. I want that too, because Colorado alone grosses $142 million in tax revenue every year. I tell every, I tell everybody that like, like for example, right now here in the state of Florida, we have medical marijuana. Okay. But we we rely on because we have no state income tax here. We rely on people coming here and spending money. And with this pandemic right now, no tourists are coming here. Nobody is spending money. They are so far under budget right now or over budget because they don't have enough money coming in. Um, and, and a lot of people. Yeah. And, and if they had and John Morgan is pushing for recreational marijuana here in the state of Florida, which I think it would be great. The tax money alone would be through the roof. People, and that's what people don't understand. I'm, and I go into legislation. We're going to Mississippi and Arkansas in November to try to pass the recreational bill. But a lot of people don't understand is that stoners, we're crafty. I mean, we're going to find it. And why not, why, instead of making a dealer at Walmart parking lot, make the money off of it, why not just make it available and just tax it? Because I believe that Colorado has an average tax rate on cannabis of 27%. And I'm cool with that. Don't put me in jail for it. Don't persecute me for it. I'll pay you for it. Because it was that much when you were paying for it illegally anyway. You well, know, you would pay extra. You would pay extra for the for the right of not having to worry about going to jail for for having something. Right. And like, and, that, and that's the other that's the other thing. If they like back to what I was saying about being a history guy, I mean when they got rid of alcohol back in the day, it, it started organized crime. It started yeah. the mafia. And then they're like, holy crap, we got to bring it back. But, you know, um, this is once again about how our political system is right now, that we don't have a voice and a vote anymore. I, I don't want people to think I'm doom and gloom and I hate no. America. I but don't. But But let's be honest. The thing that's keeping marijuana from being legal nationwide is big tobacco and the alcohol companies and the pharmaceuticals because they're the ones that are putting money in the pockets of the politicians if legal if legal cannabis is legal in all 50 states 
it's it's about eight billion dollars in tax uh, revenue for the recreational market. That's not even like the there is no medical tax. There are in some states, which is weird to me, but there is no no medical tax um, on the the THC and the cannabis here in Colorado. But um, if we legalize in all fifty states, there's going to be a lot of people going off prescription drugs, and big pharma does not want that. They're going to lose a yeah. lot of money. Yes, this is a curious question. You're in Colorado. Um, my mom, she, she um, had cancer, um, and the, the first time she smoked was I ended up buying her a bag of weed because I could see her losing weight, and, and I said, Mom, you know, it's always a little weird growing up because I, I was in my early 20s, and I gave it to her. You know, it was like, you know what? I don't care about being awkward or her being mad at me. I wanted her to at least try it. And because I saw all the weight she was losing, she was sick, throwing up, and it was the only thing that kept her alive. I'm not saying the drug cured her cancer, but it gave her the appetite to be able to eat, to be able to keep food down, and that's what you need because that is just straight up poison that you're putting into your body every single day. Well, and that's and a lot of people they look at the literature and it's like. Cannabis doesn't cure cancer. Yes, we understand that. Like, I, I get that a lot of people are saying that, but putting anything foreign into your body isn't healthy. And that's including THC smoke. That's including exhaust smoke. Putting anything foreign into your body. I don't, believe, I, don't I don't, I, I have a different outlook on that though. The same thing goes with um, uh, hallucinogenic mushrooms. If it's natural and comes out of the ground and you're not having to process it or put chemicals into it, I, I have no problem with any of that stuff. You're right. I'll, I'll definitely rephrase. I, I guess I'll say combusting. So, I mean, if you were to eat just regular butt off the plant, I mean, you wouldn't really catch too much off of it. That I would definitely condone it. I, I, I'm full psilocybin. I mean, I don't, I don't do it anymore. And I did it, I did it honestly for two weeks straight and it changed my life. And it was two summers ago. I had full access to it. I came away a calmer person. Even now I came away less critical. I came away just less. I, 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 I swear by it. I, I, I I swear, no. but when it comes to cannabis, any combusting anything, and then the American Heart Association actually just released this um, this cannabis thing. If you if you got a couple of hours to give it a peruse over, but it's actually about how cannabis can cause a regular heartbeat, and so I was reading that, but they released that about four days ago. So I'm gonna have to look into that because now the the American Heart Association is coming after us cannabis. Okay, but but is it is it though? Now I'm just saying. Is it really causing a regular heartbeat? Because I'm just saying, sometimes when I do smoke, if I feel a little pain, I'm like, oh, this is it. You know, because you, <laughs> you, you understand what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you, you think things like you overthink things sometimes. Like, if I have a chest pain, I'm like, oh, shit, I'm having a heart attack right now or something. But test is a stoner, so you can only test people that are high, so you can't really get a sober. Like, does THC make you have an irregular heartbeat? Well, I don't know, man. I'm stoned. I feel like <laughs> I feel now, a little. Now, this is something I want to get into. So when it comes to the military, obviously when you're in the military, you cannot be on any illegal substances, right? I mean, what is the military stance on it, though? I did get in trouble twice um, at Fort Benning, Georgia, and that's eventually why I tried to transfer into a, a legal state. But uh, they kind of even in a legal state, even in a legal state, like say you were in Colorado, would they allow you or no? No, even in Colorado, even on any federal lands like our federal parks and our federal reserves and stuff, you're not allowed to possess cannabis on. So, and then the Fort Carson is a, it's its own federal its own federal base. You're not allowed to have it on you. You're not allowed to do anything. Now the army. 
I, I was 11 Bravo, which was an infantryman, so they cut me a little bit more slack just because I was ground troops. I, I had really crappy jobs. All wow, the time. So I can't even imagine some of the stuff you saw. I mean, you, you were right it, in it then. I was in Fallujah, yeah. But, Man. Um, but uh, it's Article 15s, they call it. So if you, if you drop dirty for opiates, um, cocaine, amphetamines, anything like that, you're going to go to the brig, and then you're going to get court-martialed. You're probably going to get kicked out. Now, with cannabis, and this wasn't always, this is probably just in my reign, it's called the Article 15. So they, if you go dirty, they take your pay for two weeks, or they take your pay for a month, and then you get what's called like extra duty, KP, where you got to go work in the kitchen for all three meals, uh, or you got to go clean all the toilets, get extra duty, you got to go on extra 15-mile road marches, extra PT. It's just extra crap assigned to you. I got in trouble twice, and uh, I do believe that it did, it did deter. I, I was deployed four times, and I washed out as an E6. I should have been much higher, I believe. Uh, much now, higher. So you're in Colorado. Now, we, marijuana cannabis is not legally nationwide. No. Uh, and I found this weird because here we have medical. And I went with my mom because she got her medical card. And we went to the, the cannabis store. And we didn't know how it worked and everything. And, and she went, she was going to use her debit card. And they're like, no, you can't, you can't use your card. Now, is that because banks are federally backed and you're it's not allowed? It's because, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you. There. No, no, go ahead. It's, so just recently, you're allowed to use a debit card in Colorado. It's because the, the institution can't purchase the cannabis for you from out of state. So okay. her, her debit card banking was probably through Visa or MasterCard, which is in Virginia where it's illegal and they can't, they can't give you the money from across state lines. That's why they have to get you to use the ATM right there and then you hand them the cash. Yeah, they have an ATM in there, yeah. Yep, and you just can't because it's technically being paid for through a wire transaction from across state lines, which is federally illegal. Now, I'm not a big conspiracy theory guy, but there's also other things I've read about why they don't want to legalize marijuana is the, 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 the tickets, the jail time, being able to put people in prison or jail for, for marijuana-involved uh, crimes. Do you, do you think there's any truth to that at all? Or I know that Colorado is cracking down on um, the, the driving. They have a, a test where it can... Really? It. Yeah, it's a finger prick, and it'll actually tell you how many parts of THC per milliliter of blood because it, THC is only stored in your blood besides trace amounts for 24 how hours. Is that, how is that not a civil rights violation, though? I mean, it, it's the same way that they can get a warrant when you get drunk driving to take you to the hospital and pull your blood from you, and you don't have a choice. I, I just, I, I, I listen, I, I mean, I, I'm completely against, I'm completely against drunk driving because it kills too many people. But people. what I'm saying, though, is that, we live in a country where we have laws, you need probable cause and, and all that stuff. You know, you can drink a beer and, and, and drive somewhere and, and not be drunk right. or be under the limit. So why do I need to, to submit to what it is unless you can prove that I'm actually over take blood? Blood is a whole different level too, in my opinion. Honestly, it's nobody ever is going to agree with it, and none of us are ever going to get on board with it. It was just a concession that somebody had to make in Congress, a concession that somebody had to agree to just to get it through, just to get us the legal cannabis in 2014. I, I think somebody just had to be like, you know what? Yep, we'll do that. Okay, so blood tests. Okay, yep, we'll do that. Um, 
and I nobody's ever going to agree to it, and I'm sure everybody fights on it, and there isn't many. I just looked the other day. I was talking to somebody on Twitter. There isn't many. There's only been like 130 so far this year, which isn't – I get that that's a big number, but compared to last year when there was over 1,000, just because everybody's not driving, but there's been 130 um, DUIs driving under the influences here in Colorado due to, due to THC. Listen, I mean, look, I, I agree. You shouldn't be driving when you're stopped. I'm just telling you, in my experience, I am overcautious if I run up to the store and, 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 you know, I don't get blazed to out of my mind, but maybe if I, you know, take a couple of tokes or drive up to the store or something, I use my blinker, my seatbelts on. I don't, maybe, maybe I'll go one mile over the speed line. That's just for right now, I believe, you know, like, and that's, and I hate to say it, but it's going to be way better. Our kids are going to have better life with this whole cannabis because we're going to be the pioneers. People still have that old stigma where you're, if you smoke it, they don't understand like sativa where, you know, like I could drive a NASCAR race smoking sativa. Reefer madness. That reefer madness. <laughs> they had those old videos back in the day, you know, right. where, no. you know, when, when, yeah. you know, race relations weren't great. They're like, Oh, the African Americans are going to smoke the weed and they're going to come have sex with your white women. Yeah. It was just orgies is what they were trying to, to perpetuate that would happen to you. But I think in our lifetime, I think they'll maybe decriminalize that a little bit. But I think maybe in our kids' lifetime, they're going to tell you, listen, it can be, you can be baked while driving because you can take your medication while driving as well. But you have to be a medical patient, blah, blah, blah. In some, in some states, you have to give up your driver's license and give up your concealed carry permit if you I, want marijuana. I was going to bring that up because state of Florida, I don't know if you know the laws, uh, in the state of Florida, maybe only, I don't know, the Texas and Florida might be neck and neck, but in Florida, we love our guns. We have, we have the stand your ground law, and my dad, you know, he, he has smoked every once in a while, but he thinks it's complete, absolute bullshit because the Second Amendment is one of our most important, I mean, the First Amendment is the most important that we have as Americans. The second, I know a lot of people don't agree because of all the gun-related violence and stuff like that, but it's never gonna go away. You guys that all think that guns are gonna go, it's never gonna go away. It's not gonna happen. Heroin, but, heroin has been illegal since before time. And there's, I don't know, what's the statistic? Like 316 people overdose every day, just mm -hmm. in America alone. And that's been illegal forever. You can make anything illegal you want. It doesn't matter. You still have an illegal market for it. But the Second Amendment, though, do you want me to be honest? I think cannabis users are actually really responsible. I think, you want me to be honest? If more people were high, there'd be less gun violence. My dad always used to say this. Uh, if you go to a sporting event and instead of getting, just running an experiment, all right, they say the Philadelphia Eagles the Philadelphia Eagles football team, they actually have a goddamn jail at their football stadium because there's so many fights. If you just took one game and instead of serving beer, you gave everybody joints, there would not be a, there would not be a single fight. The, the Phillies and the Giants, uh, the Eagles and the Giants are one of the biggest rivalries. You'd have Giant fans and Eagle fans hugging no yeah, matter who lost. It would be amazing. And the game would be better. I think that the game yes. would be better. I would have a lot more fun. And they would sell more and, food. 
They would sell and, it yes, yeah, the money that they're not making off of the alcohol, the vending, hell, the nacho line, you're going to be waiting for <laughs> the nacho line. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, just get a nacho fountain. Don't even worry about the beer garden. Just turn yeah, it into so, a nacho fountain. So let's, let's talk about your cause. Like, tell me about it. What do you want to accomplish? So I, uh, I got brought on to the Veterans Cannabis Project. Uh, Captain Todd, Todd Anderson, he started it all up. He was a, a CBD user while he was in the military the whole time. Nobody ever knew and nobody under, understood. And he got all the way up to captain. You know, which is, is insane to me. Um, but uh, I got recruited by a buddy, and it was it was kind of just under the table thing. Hey, we want you to be the marketing director for this, you know, because it wasn't gaining any traction. And so I, I created Twitter. I did the YouTube thing, and so we started to grow that. But our mission statement is simple. It's we just want legal cannabis in all 50 states. We don't care what you charge tax for. We don't care. We don't want medical. We want full-on legal recreational for everybody. And it's we're using our veteran voice because we get heard. Um, if a group of protesters goes somewhere, um, they don't, they don't really get, I, I don't want to say they don't get a lot done, but they don't get a lot done right then and there. It's a process. As to there's where a way you, but I don't mean to cut you off, but there's a way you have to go about it because the country is so divided right now. And no matter what, if you have the opposite of you, they're going to be like, ah, oh, fuck you. I ain't doing that. I ain't doing this. There's a way that it can be sold. And, and if there can be a candidate for president that could come along that could sell it the right way, do you, you see what I'm saying? Not, Absolutely. It, it, would, it, would, it would be amazing in the money that it would make. The, you know, everybody talks about how we don't have money for programs to help the less fortunate and stuff because we're spending on other things. This, this, this could help. Yo, absolutely. Legalized cannabis. And that's just what we want. And that, that's kind of the best thing. And that's why I, I, I say like our greater goal is the PTSD more than the veterans things. But um, this, this Mississippi, like I, me and four brothers, uh, four fellow rangers, we're, we have a meeting with the Mississippi uh, deputy governor, um, which is great. But if you're just a regular person walking in off the street, they just don't give you those meetings. And for some reason, we get those meetings. You know, if we, we come with the veteran cannabis program and we, we have all our credentials and everything, wow. they get a 45-minute meeting to talk about legal cannabis and how can we help this bill get through. Because a lot of people don't understand is a lot of bills get passed behind closed votes. The, the, bill, in, the bill in Alabama got passed last year, a lot, or 22 votes to 11. That means only 33 people voted on that bill in the entire state of Alabama because they don't tell anybody about it. They don't advertise it. They don't. It's, it's just on this, and then it's a part of this huge other bill, and it's just this itty-bitty little memorandum, or referendum. It's just this, this, this itty-bitty little thing, and that's what we, we go to seek out. And then we, we, Mississippi is legalizing full rec, hopefully on November 3rd, and then uh, Arkansas also, full recreational on November 3rd. There are two, there are two people I'm going to do my best to get you in touch with. One, um, he he's a business owner over here in Tampa. His name is Garen. Um, he uh, he sells these magical butter machines. I don't know if you've ever heard oh, yeah. of them before. And um, he <clears throat> used a lot of his own money to tour and go meet with political heads and actually went to D.C. to meet with some senators and stuff because he wants to get um, uh, cannabis for for vets as well, too. And number two. I, I've spoken to him. I'm not great friends, but I, I want to get you in touch with John Morgan because yeah. I, I really think that 
you can get him in touch with the right people and he can get you in touch with the right people because the guy, the guy, it's a personal cause to him. A lot of people thought he was trying to make money off of it, but he really was not. Uh, and, and I think you guys could work together and at least, you know, move a little bit forward. Maybe not get it done, but get a step closer. Uh, I mean, anybody, anybody that's willing to help that's in a, in a position to help, you know, because it, it's really, really hard to even get your leg in the door. You know, they ask, okay, well, what would you like to discuss? Because you can schedule a lot of people don't know. You can call your alderman. You can call your mayor and you can schedule a meeting with them. And it's your right to go in there and talk to them and they will get you on something. It might be months and months away, but that's, you, you have the right to do that. And so it's, it's nice when, you know, you call and people be like, well, what do you want to discuss? I'm like, I want to talk about the cannabis bill that's coming up on November 3rd and I want to know how I can help it. And then they put me on hold for 18 minutes and then I get like a 30 second conversation. Now, if I want to call about a stoplight getting fixed, I get pushed right through, but so it's hard. So it's nice. It's always nice to have extra voices. Now, maybe you mentioned this, if they legalized cannabis in all 50 states and taxed it, do they have a figure of what it would, what, what the uh, tax downfall, or I mean, windfall would be? Um, Pace, if everybody generated from Colorado's, like our tax, it would be $8 billion every year, 8 billion every year for all 50 states. Wow. I mean, that's extra money. I mean, I know it's a drop in the bucket to the trillions that we're under, but I mean, it's still more than what we had before. Eight billion dollars. They just passed. Yeah. They just passed what a uh, uh, a stimulus package that was less than that. Eight billion dollars would give. Wait. How many U.S. citizens are in America? Uh, it's three hundred fifty-five million, I think. Okay, so three hundred fifty-five million. So let's just take this. So if we legalize cannabis and tax it on pace with how we tax it here in Colorado, so three hundred eighty million, you said. Yeah, three. It's like it's in between. It it's like I'll say three forty to three sixty. So like we'll go three hundred fifty million. Yeah, you're looking at you're looking at about four thousand seven hundred fifty dollars for a check right now per U.S. citizen. No, we're talking about wow. qualified people. You're, you're looking at just the check in the mail. Yeah. Now let me let me let me ask you this. Now let's go over some of the stigma. So. Do you believe that marijuana, because marijuana makes people dumb. Like, you know, that's one of the things, old pie heads are dumb. And, and, and I don't think that's true. I mean. Sober people are dumb though too. I've seen a lot of sober people that were really, really missing upstairs. You know, and you could say that about anybody that people are dumb. I, I, but I, I'm going to agree with you because it does, it slows me down. I use it for the mere purpose that it does slow me down because I get, to going, you know, I have anxiety issues, and so I do use it to slow down. So I definitely agree, it slows you down. Just a curious question: Did you move to Colorado because of your passion for for uh, cannabis? I stayed. I moved for the military. I was based at Fort okay. Carter, All right, I got you. Which is in Stratmore, right outside of right outside of Stratmore here in Colorado. And then once I got out, because obviously I can say it now, I was very heavily involved in cannabis while I was here on base. You know, I, I, I got lucky and I skated, you know, the UAs and I, I, I did good, but I was very, very involved in it. And so once I got out, I was adopted when I was a young kid. And so I don't have a big family. It's not like anything I'm super passionate about or they're not super passionate about me either. And I still go home every Christmas and blah, blah, blah. You know how it is. But it wasn't hard to stay here. It wasn't hard to that, stay. 
I'm not trying to rip off like Malcolm X or anything, but you, if somebody needs to use that catch line, you know how he said, we didn't land on Plymouth Rock, Plymouth Rock landed on us. That's what stoners need to say. We didn't land on uh, Colorado, Colorado landed on us. So it's kind of like you lucked up. Yeah, I did. And, I, and that's, I seeked it out, but I knew that we legalized it in 2000 for medical. So I always knew that Colorado was a pioneer and I visited it back before and I love the mountains. I love everything about it here. But I will tell you that I am, I live in Colorado. I drive in Colorado every day. Colorado has the worst drivers in the entire country. Uh, you haven't been to Orlando. You haven't Man, been to Orlando with all the tourists. You see a hundred, hundred thousand dollar Mercedes with dented both bumpers. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> dented both bumpers and Mercedes just beat up cars everywhere on the road. You get nervous. My uh, my best friend that I worked in it, it work with in radio, he get, he has buddies out in Colorado. I'm gonna have to get him in touch with you when he comes out there next time yep. to hang out with you. Maybe you can show him around. I've actually I love that. So Twitter has been a great resource for that. When people come out on vacation, they they hit me up on Twitter and I give them the dispensary tours because you got to get to the, the the good ones, the local ones. Hold on, I'm I'm gonna tell you how I found you. Hold on, let me. There's this girl that I found, and she retweeted one of your things. Mouse. Uh, her name's like Mighty Mouse or something. Yeah. I forget yeah, okay. her. Yeah. Name. Uh, uh, yeah. Hold on. Hold on. I found her here. Uh, Queen Mousy six two six, and she's always posting pictures of her like smoking out and stuff. And 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 the reason I gravitated towards you. I was like, there's no way this guy could be a combat vet because you have the greatest smile. If I just saw you in a room, I would be, and I, I'm not, listen, I'm very heterosexual, so I'm not like, oh, but yeah, I'm just saying no, you have that very inviting smile, like, I need to go hang out with that dude. I appreciate that. No, I, I, people are like, how do you keep your teeth so white? I said, I joined the army when I was 17. They just took care of it for me. Like, I, I just did it. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> they just took care of it for me. They told me when I had to go to the dentist and I went to the dentist, but you know, I get so much joy out of Twitter uh, and Twitter. That's another thing. It can be a bad place. Yeah, it can be a bad place. And I try to avoid that. And I try to, instead of arguing, I try to preach education and that's hard sometimes. And sometimes I just have to remove myself. From the conversation i have a i have a rule not to block anybody ever i don't um, block on you you give them satisfaction when you do that i yeah. you just have to ignore because these trolls are now they're like hell yeah i was able to get under his skin so much you blocked me screenshot it and then say that hey i got blocked by such and such yeah no i totally understand and I, I, I appreciate the following but that's the best thing about twitter is how many people i mean you remember how it was like back in the day you hung out with your friends you didn't even necessarily like them but they just lived next to you yeah and now, now we have the capability oh, of talking to so many people and you and the best thing about twitter too is i don't have to share any of my stash with anybody either so i can <laughs> zoom now, and I, now I, I we've been talking for a while, but i i want to maybe start talking to you maybe like once a month to give us an update on on how your your cause is going and seeing what we can do, uh, but two last questions. Okay, you you said you have a family, right? I and I don't need details. You have kids too, right? I have an eleven year old, almost twelve, and then I have a six year old, almost seven. Her birthday's on Sunday. Now tomorrow. Shit. Do you do, do you talk to your kids about or you know the ones a little too young, but like. Listen, my parents smoked weed growing up. I didn't know it until I was in my, you know, mid-teens. 
Um, would you rather, rather educate them and let them know about it? Because I, I feel like sometimes parents guard their children too much, and when they get out into the real world, it's too shocking. It's such a double-edged sword. So one, I don't, I don't, I make sure that if I'm inside, um, I don't, they, the older one, the boy probably has an idea just because I, I do have like my own like tea spring and stuff. So I'm always wearing like yeah. the stoner gear and he knows what stoner means and stuff, but he's never smelled it. He's never seen it. He's never been submerged to it. And that's something that I like to preach because I was the same way. I never knew. Like I, I putting it piece and back now, I remember when they, my parents used to put the towel under the door. And that didn't make any sense back then, but now it makes sense. But I never smelled anything because I don't want I don't want them to be desensitized to it. I don't want them to think that it's part of a normal society. Now, if he has an issue or if he has something or if she does and they want to go out and seek that as an alternative, I'll be 100% supportive and I'll, I'll do everything I can to educate them. I just don't want to desensitize to them where they, they see me doing it. And my son, obviously, you know, he looks up to his dad. He's going to be like, I want to be like my dad and I'm going to do this to do it. Let me ask you, though. When he gets of of age, when he turns 18, would you rather him try it for the first time with you? And not saying you would say, who hey, try this, son. But say if he was with some friends and he didn't want to be around it and he, wa he wanted to be in a controlled environment, he came to you when he was 18 and asked you questions and, and stuff. My dad was always like, when you get of age, I'd rather you have your first beer with me or something, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And that would be the same way for me. Absolutely. But, uh, sorry, my wife is looking at me. No, She's... no, no, no. Take your time. Um, hi, uh, hi, hi, uh, Mrs. Fiscal uh, Stoner. This is my wife, Amanda. <laughs> hi, Amanda. So, Thank no, I, I definitely... Allow me time with your husband. <laughs> she doesn't want to spend time with me anyway. You're good. Um, no, I, I wanted to be able to, to have that, but in a perfect world, my son and I would own a dispensary someday, you know, and we would run <laughs> as soon as he comes and he says he's ready. I, I would take to it like white on rice, you know? Yeah. I want you and your friends to come, you know, and I'll teach you, you know, I'll tell you don't smoke indica and drive, you know, and you teach them about the terpenes, you know, the, the limonene is for when you want to feel up the myrcenes when you want to sleep, the linolols when you want to have a little bit of in between and you can find the strains that possess all those things. And then you, we have the different types of THC. We have six different cannabinoids that we come up with. Um, we have a brand new one, THCP and C, uh, CBDP, which is supposed to be 30 times stronger than THCA. We just, just can't figure out how to introduce it into our endocannabinoid system yet. So look forward to that. But, now, let me, oh. let, now that brings me to the next question. And this will be my last one because I, I want to save stuff for other conversations. But um, the progression of cannabis because my parents smoked it when they were younger. And, and you know, I told you about my mom when she had cancer. Yep. That, that's when, you know, you weren't smoking you regs, you were smoking straight up, you know, hydroponic stuff. And she couldn't believe the difference. Oh, is, there, is there a ceiling when it comes to cannabis? Like, or is it, can it only get so strong? So here's the thing, it can only get so strong percentage wise because you can only get to 100% pure. You know, which yeah. is THC isolate, which is a lot of people like it, but it's a vanity thing for me. It's not, it's not, it doesn't have really any medical properties just because you lose all the cannabinoids and you lose the terpenes and stuff. The problem that we're having is, is once again, we're having this conversation in 2020. If they would have legalized cannabis back in 1980, we would already have all this info. Even just an average research, just for a piece, for a rock, is usually about five years old because it takes them five years to compile that data. 
So within the next 10 to 15 years, I think that we'll have the data and we'll be able to advance it. But right now we're still learning. So everything just feels groundbreaking. Like when, they, when I read a report and they say that we found a new cannabinoid that's going to hit this receptor, your CB1 receptor, I get really, really excited as to where it's, it's going to come along a lot. We're just not there yet, but it's going to get better. But what we're learning is THC isn't always the best. There's so many different parts of the plant that can help you. You can have, you can have um, a vape pen that doesn't have any THC in it, and it'll be all terpenes. So it's all the, the myrcene, the limonene, and that will, you'll, you'll still get high and you'll still have medical benefits from it, but it doesn't have any THC in it. See, I, I was thinking about it. You know how I said it, it gives me perspective and opens up my mind. I, I, there was one time I was high. There's so much we don't understand about the brain that we never will. But I, I, I had this thought, I was like, the, the better the cannabis gets, I also think we will also have a better understanding of how the mind works and how we process things, how our receptors work and stuff like that. Because before, well, and that was the problem before, a lot of people, nobody respected CBD until the late 2000s, until 2009, 2010. But remember, when we got CBD, like if we got male weed back in the day, we were really upset because it didn't get you high. Like we thought we bought a bag of swag weed. So then all the marijuana with all that CBD and all that stuff was bred out of it. So then we only oh, got. You'll, you'll think it's good. You'll think it's good when you see a uh, little kid seizuring and, and they take it and, and they're, they're straight. Now, no, how no. do you feel? Because that, that's been a big thing here. Like they've denied minors some of that stuff when they knew that it could help. Charlotte's Web was developed by a kid's parents. She actually just died. Um, the, the girl that created Charlotte's Web, and that's she had an epilepsy to where she just couldn't exist. And um, the strain, CBD strain, which has traces of THC, so THC really didn't do anything for her. It was the CBD, and that controlled her seizures. And she lived a, a good life. She actually just died a couple months ago. And um, Now, I still don't think we've, we've discovered all the different treatments that can well, be we used. We've only woken up. So the endocannabinoid system, which is the part of our brain that receives the receptors for CBD and THC brings it in, is made up of six receptors. So far, we've only studied the CB1 and the CB2 receptor. We don't know anything about the other four yet. So as soon as the research comes in, we can find something. Because what you have to have find to get a little bit more, so there's something called CBGA. Have you ever heard of this? No, I have not. Okay, so it's a, it's, a part of the chemo, it's a part of the plant, the THC plant, and it, it almost acts like a mother to, to help introduce THC into your system. It gets you higher. So you can go and find stuff that's higher in CBGA and THC, and you'll get, you'll get baits. Like it'll, it, it just helps it get in there. It's like a gas nozzle putting into your gas tank. You could probably hit it, and you probably get it in there, but it helps it out. And so once we find how we can wake up the CB3, the CB4, the CB5, the CB6 receptors, huh, who knows? I know that's going to sound like a really stunner thing to say, but I would not be shocked that they said, like, we come to find out that cannabis is proof of alien life forms. Like, it's something that was left here because it's so advanced. It's like an organic material that we don't know everything about yet. Well, and that's, I mean, that's everything. I, I, I mean, you can go so much bigger and just have like a stoner conversation and be like, the human body runs off of food and water by some miraculous way. We just, <laughs> you know, like, and marijuana is the same way. By some miraculous way, that plant is just right there. And some, some jerk 
So, you know, like, I'm going to light this thing on fire. Somebody, somewhere, somewhere, sometime. Looked at All right. Arrow, so, 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 for real, the last question, and then uh, I want to plug everything you got going on. Back in the day, like with my parents, Willie Nelson was the stoner icon. What is the modern day, like, famous person that everybody is like, oh, I got to smoke with that dude? I'm Tony, uh, I'm not Tony, but I'm Tommy Chong right now. I've always been, but I'm older. I'm about 40, but right now it's, dude, the rap game is huge. Everybody wants to smoke with Wiz, and they're, I'm not going to lie, Snoop, Snoop Dogg has. Not 2 uh, Nobody likes 2 Oh, yeah, 2 chains too, but he's he does those YouTube videos where he goes to, like, dispensaries and smokes out. Yeah. He's got too much money for the fiscal. Yeah, I don't need to show off. I, you know, I don't need a, a pimp my weed uh, show or something yeah. like that. <laughs> Maybe I, yeah. I don't so need so yeah. let's talk about uh, tell everybody how they can find you, your website, how they can find out more of your cause. Yeah, if you're on Twitter at the fiscal stoner, you can just hit me up. I'm always down for a conversation about anything that my wife approves of. Uh, but www b e t s c p so veterans cannabis program or project program either one p stands for both dot org and then either thing like that um right now we're kind of dormant we just had a thing up where we were trying to get signatures i'm really proud of that we threw up a thing we needed fifteen thousand signatures from mississippi and it took us 72 hours to get it so right. I, I attribute a lot of that to twitter i attribute a lot of that to everybody just helping us out and uh but the, that link is down now but anybody can go on and apply to be an advocate and i'm actively recruiting any veterans that are for cannabis um, for anything, uh, I, I want to hear their voice. I want to hear their story. I want their testimony. I want anything that they give me 10 minutes of their time just to talk to me about their experience with cannabis, PTSD, anything like that. All right, man. Well, I hope you enjoyed this. I hope it was okay Thanks. for you. So much fun. This was great. I want to do this again. And that's the show for today. Thanks for listening to the Tuttle Daily Podcast. Hey, don't be a dickhead. Do us a favor. Share, like, and subscribe to the show. Also, check out the Tuttle category at 315live.com. The Tuttle Daily Podcast was brought to you by Total Wireless of Palm Bay, StitchYouUp.com, PocketPairClub.com. Special thanks to show intern Hannah and Charlie Alamo for their contributions. Additional imaging and production is provided by CCA Productions. Facebook.com slash CCA Productions Presents. Show voiceover services brought to you by jcvoiceoverservices.com. That guy's got a goddamn sexy voice. You should hire him. If you want to help support the show, paypal.me slash Tuttle on the radio. Comments? Concerns? You want to let Tuttle know he's being a dick? Go to Tuttle at gmail.com. To follow all of Tuttle's social media, go to Tuttle.net. That's Tuttle with two Ds dot net. Thanks again for all your support, and we'll see you tomorrow on the Tuttle Daily Podcast.